Winston Churchill inspired a nation during a war. The people would be discouraged, the bombings there in London, and yet he would go on the radio and just inspire that nation that rose above all the damage and the trauma that they went through. Ronald Reagan inspired a nation when he became president. They called him the great communicator. Martin Luther King came on the scene and inspired a nation to make some changes. It's good to look at people's lives and see what they have done and what they do. I'm talking about people that inspire, people that, that inspire for good. And in our study on Mark, what I'd like to do this morning is look at a man that inspires. There was a rumbling that came out of the desert, a voice that came out of the desert. The man's name is John. John. He was from a priestly family. His mom and dad were wonderful people. He baptized so many people, they tagged on to him John the Baptist. John the Baptist. But he inspired a nation. He inspired so many people until he gathered people around him by the, by the hundreds, maybe even the thousands that came out to see him. The Bible said the whole countryside, the city, came out to hear this man. One person said John was plain in his uh, plain of dress because he wore simple clothes. He had a robe of camel's hair. Not only was he plain in his dress, he was plain in his food. He ate locust. I'm sure there were other things that he ate, but he ate locust and wild honey. That's vegetable honey from fig trees and palm trees. So he was plain in his dress. He was plain in his food that he ate, his diet. He was plain in speech. I uh, just enjoy hearing people talk about how that he was so plain in what he said, but so powerful. Not great words of, of theology, but yet they are great words of theology. A man that came forth preaching repentance. You know that John and Jesus, these two men that came on the scene, both preached the same message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so by looking at men of the Bible, whether it's Isaiah, whether it's Jeremiah, whether it's John the Baptist or who it is, and we have people today that inspire us. There are people in this church that inspire me. Some that you probably would guess, and then there are others that you would never think that makes an impression 
that has made such a big impression upon my life. Some of the senior citizens in this church mean more to me than they'll ever know. I think about you often. And I love you dearly. And you, you have inspired me. So we need, we need men and women that will inspire us. More than just athletes that inspire us through their abilities and able to do things. But John the Baptist inspired. He came as the child of promise. He was of priestly descent. And uh, as most of us know, his mother was kin to Mary, the mother of Jesus. The story of John's childhood is passed over in one sentence, Luke chapter 1, verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. You see, Luke's concluding statement summarizes about 30 years of John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And so we can take, of course, inspiration. With the appearance of John the Baptist, we have the barrel of the old dispensation and the emerging of the new dispensation. I... uh, I can see him as he, he steps out of the, the wilderness and comes forth there to baptize as he, he holds in one hand the Old Testament and holds in the other the new. The old dispensation and holds in the other, of course, the new. He holds in his left hand the law and in his right hand grace. And he's preaching the word of God and he is the forerunner. Someone said concerning John that he was the foreclosure of the old and the forerunner of the new. John. I want us to be inspired by John this morning. I want us to, and of course, as most of you know, we've been on the subject or in the book of Mark and we'll be in Mark for a while. And we take this from Mark. Would you allow me to read, if you will, Several verses of Scripture. Stay with me because I want to read a little bit about his life. Mark 1, 1 through 8. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of what? Repentance and for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan. I had the privilege of baptizing people in the Jordan River. There's nothing like it. We rode on a bus of about 60 people and There were about 300 of us that were there that day and we had the privilege of baptizing them. And I say this with humiliation. The people that were on the bus, we had about three or four ministers baptizing. I said it with humiliation. They wanted me to baptize them, many of them. 
They, they, would, they just wanted me to baptize them. I don't know why. And I had that privilege to baptize. And John was doing that. He was baptizing people in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and a, with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and lose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Say amen. <laughs> I'm talking about John. John the Baptist. Let me read some more. John chapter 3, verses 25 through 30. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi... He who was with you beyond Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. You know what was happening? The disciples of John had become jealous of Jesus. It's like us being jealous of Mount Bethel, or Rose of Sharon Baptist Church, or the summit. If you're not careful, there's this competition. There's, there's something going on within the church. And we need to recognize that, fight against it, and certainly pray for the people in this city, the churches in this city. We have about 30 ministers and the Durham ministers in prayer, and I pray for those men. We walk in every Tuesday morning, and we put our names on a little, little slip of paper, and we fold it, and we put it in a basket. And when we leave, we pick a, a name out, and we take that name every week, and we go through every day praying for that particular minister and that particular church and that particular ministry. We're not in competition. We're fighting the devil, not other people. Your enemy is not across the aisle in the same church that you go to. Your enemy is not really your family, your husband, your children, your grandchildren, your mom and dad. The enemy is the devil. And we need to recognize that. But they became jealous. And they said here, Behold, he is baptizing and everybody's going over there. You're going to see him. Notice what John says. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. John, the Baptist, was staying focused. The devil don't want us to stay focused. In fact, if you're not careful, he'll make you go to sleep this morning. You get drowsy. No matter what it is. He can, he can have a television program. He can have somebody to bother you or whatever. The devil does not want you to stay focused. And John's disciples had come to him, laid the groundwork for him to be jealous. And he said, time out. Don't you remember I told you before? I'm not the one. Love this. Love this. And he who 
as the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must what? Say it out loud. He must increase, but I must. He's not going to increase until I in humility decrease. We've got to realize that. He's not going to increase Christ is not going to increase until I in humility decrease. Now, allow me one more text here. Matthew eleven seven through 15. Now, this is Jesus. I love this. Now, they departed. Jesus began to... Now, this is after that they had come to Jesus and John was in prison and John had sent his disciples to Jesus. And, you know, here it is. It's, it's, it's rubber meet the road time. You know, you can preach this, teach this, go to church, sing about it, you know, pray at night and serve God. And, but there comes a time when they're rolling you down the aisle of the hospital. It, it, it's rubber meet the road time. I mean, this is the time you really want to know, does this thing really work? And that's, that's what happened. John was in prison. He was about to lose his head. He said, wait a minute, guys, I want you to go see this man, Jesus. It was his cousin. Was it cousin or nephew? It was his, it was his relative, but it was G, It was the one that he was talking about. His cousin. He said, you go ask him. And so the disciples came to Jesus and said, John sent us to ask you, are you really the one? <laughs> is this thing really real? I mean, is it really genuine? Is this thing I'm talking about and, and, and praying to and all of this, is it really real? And Jesus said, the sick get healed, the dead get raised, the lepers get cleansed, people get saved. And so they went back to John. And when they left to go back and tell John what Jesus had said, as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? A man dressed in regal clothes? Silk? Silk pajamas? You know, what did you go out to see? Someone dressed, clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it's written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Now, how would you like for Jesus to turn in your resume? I mean, you look at this, hey, let's let's see about John. Da-da-da, all these good things. Let's see who said it. Oh, Jesus said this. I wonder what he'd say about us today. I wonder what he'd say about you today. Behold, I say, he said, surely I say to you, among those born, and there's no greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. That's a wow. 
the least in the kingdom of heaven. You see how how Jesus Christ and and, and our relationship with him, it elevates you. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah! Sometimes you feel like a nobody. Sometimes you feel like whatever. You know, you just feel so low, you have to reach up to touch bottom. But I want you to know what Jesus thinks about you today. He thinks you're the greatest. You're the catch me out. You're okay. With all the greatness of John the Baptist, here is Jesus Christ is saying, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I'll get to that in just a moment because that's good. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. Let me, my time, I I, I don't want to, I've got so much and I don't, I can't get it all in. So, so fasten your seatbelts and let's go. Okay. First of all, let's notice the man, the Elijah of prophecy. He represented Elijah. Matthew chapter 11, he talks about it, and we just read about it. He represents the spirit and the power. He was not Elijah, but he represented the spirit and the power, certainly, of Elijah. A strange, rugged, fearless hermit of the desert, crying on the banks of the Jordan. That That was John the man, John the message. Now, this message is short, but it has significant theological content to it. First of all, repent. Matthew chapter 3, 1 through 2, talks about repentance. And as I said earlier, that's exactly the same message that certainly that Jesus Christ came and preached. Notice the nearness of God's reign. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I don't think we get this today because we've heard it so many years and and we don't, we don't understand the nearness of it. That was what the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We need, first of all, to understand the nearness of it. And then we need to understand the urgency of it. We lose that. It is urgent that we about, be about our father's business. The nearness of the coming of Jesus Christ. He is so near to come. The urgency of getting the gospel out. The urgency. I've got to go to church. I've got to serve God because it is, an, it is a time of urgency. The nearness of God's reign confronted the people when it, with an inescapable decision. Are you going to make up in your mind what you're going to do? Will you make up in your mind that you're going to serve God? We're going to, we are going to repent. Explains the urgency of John's message of repentance, the urgency of the gospel, and the importance, the importance of the gospel. I don't care what you do next week. I don't care what an important trip or what an important time or what an important meeting or what an important job. I don't care what you have to do next week. Nothing is as important as the gospel of Jesus Christ. The importance of taking hold of it. The Bible says for us to take hold of it. Grasp it with your hand. 
Grasp it with your heart. Let it, let it find a lodging place there. Repentance is a decision that results in a change of mind, which in turn leads to a change of purpose. I love this sentence, purpose and action. A lot of people claim to repent. They've not, they've not repented because they've not had a change of mind and certainly not have, have a, had a change of purpose and certainly not had a change of action. We challenged people years ago when they would come to the altar. I prayed for one man one time. He was in a lifestyle that was contrary to the word of God, and I told him if he meant business, he'd change his action. He'd change where he lived. He'd move out of that house. Change your action. You mean business? Do something about it. You're shacking up? Do something about it. I know that's a bad way to explain it. And I know you don't say that in a politically correct society and culture today, but that's the truth. You change. You've been cussing? I know it's profanity. I know it's, but we used to call it cussing. It's still cussing. Stop cussing. You've been hitting the bottle? You've been getting drunk? I know you don't call it drunk. Or say, I know we've changed all of that. But change your action. You've been letting anger rule your life? Change your action. Let the Spirit of God bring in temperament, temperance and, and bring in sweetness of your spirit. Change your action. That's what repentance is. Repentance is not going down to the front of the, shaking the preacher's hand and signing the card and going back and living the same lifestyle. You don't hear that much anymore. But it's so true. That's what John preached and that's what Jesus preached. If it's good enough for John and Jesus, it would be good enough for us. John's ministry. He experienced immense popularity of popular success. Great multitudes came to his baptism. Even Herod heard him gladly. Listen to that. Herod heard him gladly. His ministry lasted about a year and a half. Very short, very brief. And then most of us know the story, how he, got, how he got put in prison and lost his head. He ushered, I love this. He ushered in the Savior of the world. Number four, John's willingness to decrease. John's willingness to decrease. He must, he must increase. We've been in churches, my wife and I, where the preachers stood up in the pulpit and say, we need to quit talking about this Jesus so much. I'm talking about supposed to be a Christian church. Give me a break. We don't talk about Jesus enough. He's got to increase. He is first and foremost in our lives. Jesus said, talking about his uh, willingness to decrease. Jesus said there had not been born a greater. I mean, he was a great man. He was popular. He was the, he was the uh, Beatles of his day, the Elvis Presley of his day. He, who, who draws great crowds today? Whoever he is, whoever she is. They, he, that, you know, he drew people. People came out. It's easy to get your ego going. It's easy to get on your high horse, forgive me, and think you are somebody. 
John was in danger of being mistaken for the Messiah. They thought he was the Messiah. Had John been inflamed with ambition? Notice this. I love this. He could have played a role of the Messiah. He could have founded the school. He could have had his own independent gathering. Got his own thrill, one, four or whatever, five, six, seven. He could have had his own independent gathering. He could have snatched a crown. Instead, my greatest statement I'll make today, I love this. And instead, he espoused a nation to its lover and stepped aside. an inspiration. What an inspiring human being. We've got so much selfishness today. We have a generation coming up that, and I hate to say this, but the older generation is too. That's one reason the abortion rate is so high. Parents are so selfish. They don't want anybody to get in their way. And we have a generation coming up today that is so selfish. But this man was so unselfish. He was not seeking his own glory. But come one mightier than I after me. It is natural to envy the growing reputation of others, especially when it seems like a trenching in upon ourselves. You hear that? It is natural to envy others. We think she's prettier than I am. He's better looking than I am. He makes better grades than I do. He has a better job than I have. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do the other. I don't like to be around him. I don't like to be around her because it belittles me. And we we struggle with this even ground. And we become jealous, envious, and it eats into us like a, like a cancer. John is such an inspiration along this line. Envy is a pain and torment in the heart of the sight of superior excellence and happiness. We get jealous of our neighbor because they get a brand new car and it looks bigger and better than ours. She and he lives in a bigger house than I do. I tell couples that I counsel with that's getting married, be proud of what you have. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever look over at another couple and get jealous of what they have. And don't ever feel like you don't have anything. If you keep it clean, invite the president of the United States. Invite the pastor over and never be ashamed of and apologize for what you have. It's easy to be the other way. We are to guard against this and subdue this envy, subdue this, this, this jealousy that has crept into our society today. I don't have to say a whole lot about that. The disciples of John were envious. I told you about that and how they were jealous. People are going over there. They're having bigger crowds. They got a greater praise team. The preacher preaches better than I do. You think I don't struggle with some of that? But you can't allow envy and strife. Let me tell you, one of the best cures for that is to pray for that person and to love that person. 
and call them up sometimes. You say, well, they don't call me. They should call me, bless God. They probably never will call you, but you can call them. And you can shake their hand when you go to Cracker Barrel. And you can say, hey, it's so good to see you. God bless you. And really mean it. You know, some of you, God bless you. And you walk around, you know. You take away everything that you just did. Bless them. Bless them and really mean it and love them. You don't have to succumb to that spirit of envy, that spirit of jealousy. John, what? Did you know that guy? Yes, I know about Jesus. Did you know they're leaving here and going over there? John said, that's okay. It's all right. We must remember that our true mission is to influence people to follow Jesus Christ, not us. That was John's whole focus. If this church, if this ministry is getting hundreds to follow Jesus, if God's got you getting two to follow Jesus, you get your two and stop looking over the brother that's getting the hundred. I'm probably preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to you guys today. But we all deal with our jealousy. We all have our areas where we fight the devil when it comes to envy and strife. I'm going to end it with this one, the increase of Christ. Let me ask you something. This is a great question. Look at it. Why do we, in the face of unbelief and adverse criticism, endorse the assertion that Christ must increase? Why, in our society today, every religion is accepted but Christianity. I'm talking about the politically correct, the people today in the news, media, in politics, much of it, not all. In our society today, you can be anything but a Christian. But if you're a Christian, it's a whole different story. Why, when we face this Every day of our life when they're doing everything that they possibly can to remove Christianity and any symbol of it out of the public arena. Why in the face of all that we're saying Jesus Christ is going to increase. I'll tell you why. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase, of the increase, hallelujah, if I felt like it, I'd get up and dance right now. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Oh, hallelujah. I believe that. And they can, they can shake their fist in the face of God. They can turn up their nose to God. And they can take him out of every place they want to. But they can't stop him. He is going to increase. Of the increase, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. To order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward. Even. Even how? 
Even how? Forever. Listen, devil. Listen, world. Listen, America. Forever. (laughs) Glory be to God. And that's what you and I stand on. And you know we can stand on God's word. Not one jot, not one tittle, not one sentence is going to pass away. Forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Philippians chapter 2 verse 10. That at the name, I read this and I read it over and over. That the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. And of those in heaven, of those on earth and those under the earth, he will increase. Can you say amen? Why can we say that? This is the design of the Father, and the forces are adequate. What kind of forces stand behind that statement? First of all, the Bible. And I just said it. Brother Larry, he, I love what he, that Bible he had up, that blessed me when he shook that Bible to us today, showed us that Bible. They've tried to outlaw the Bible. Over the thousands of years, they've burnt, burned it and they've tried to do away with it. You know what book sells more than any other book in the world? You got it. Let them, let them, let them sneer. Let them do all they want. The Bible, the Holy Spirit. And then God's agape love. God's agape love. I don't know about you, but I rejoice over that. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about a man called John, John the Baptist. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about a man that said, hey, Though they're all coming out to see me, and though even the disciples, my own, my own disciples, they had, they tried to get me off base, and, but he stayed right on. He stayed right on. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about a man that was willing to decrease so that Jesus Christ could increase. Wouldn't that be something? Listen to me today. Listen to me. Wouldn't it be something if, if all the churches, and all the ministries would seek to decrease as far as relationship with God and all that concerns that. No matter what church it is, no matter what ministry. Wouldn't it be something if some of our congressional leaders got up, and they would be left out of the building now, but said something like that. You know what? I must decrease that he might increase. Wouldn't it be something in our own lives with all that we have to do? Every one of us are so busy today. Last Sunday, I hope you, I hope you enjoyed last Sunday, bringing us right to the very point where There needed to be that isolated time that Jesus, in this first chapter of the book of Mark, 
and all of his business stole away to pray. Got up early in the morning. He's going to increase. Make, make no bones about it. He's increasing around the world, whether it's Indonesia. Thank you for that letter. Thank you so much for that letter. I've read it and read it and read it and read it. it to see what God. You see, we, we, don't, we don't get outside of the, we don't go across the pond, as they say, with our knowledge and information. But around the world, even in the most staunch Muslim Ungodly places, Jesus Christ is increasing. And all of a sudden, the iman can be riding on a chalkboard in the mosque. And he sees the hand of God. All of a sudden, prisoners can be awakened. And right in the cell with them is the form of a man. It's Jesus Christ. Preach, I don't believe all that stuff. That's okay. It's happening. It's happening so much and so many times. It's, it's, it's undeniable. People are seeing visions, miracles, miracles, miracles. In Indonesia, where there are so many Muslims that are turning to the Lord by the thousands, most. And I saw this on Pat Robertson's CBN the other day. Most of them are Pentecostal. He's going to increase. We may close him out in America. We may slam the door in his face in America. But there's people that want to know about this man called Jesus. He will increase. I got to hush. My time's gone. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. You're the one that, as Antoinette beautifully described, you're the one that said to Jesus, Son, I want you to go down there and be a substitute. (laughs) May we never forget it. May we not forget Calvary. May we not forget what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for us. May we not forget people like John the Baptist that were and still is a great inspiration to mankind today that challenges us to get rid of our envy, that moves us to to rid ourselves of our jealousy. God, forgive me of being jealous. Forgive me, Lord. I'm old enough, I'm, I'm old enough not to do those things, but Lord, I still struggle with them. Forgive us, dear God, of allowing us to be challenged to the point that we focus on something we, we shouldn't even focus on it. God, help us today to be like John the Baptist. He, Jesus, The Christ, the Lord, Jehovah, the great I am. He must increase. But I must decrease. 
Lord, we know the old song, nobody wants to play rhythm guitar behind Jesus. Everybody wants to be the lead singer in the band. It's hard to get a beat on what's divine when everybody's pushing for the head of the line. God, help me to stop pushing for the head of the line. Help me to understand what it means to play second fiddle. May may I not envy my brothers in the Lord. May I not envy another pastor. God help us if if we envy someone at work, someone at school, makes better grades. The jock of the school or the football player, the basketball player, the one that gets all the attention. That girl that makes better grades than I do, I study so much harder than she does. God, this person was raised in a beautiful home. They had a mom and a dad. I don't have both mom and dad. Help us to understand you know where we are and help us to grasp the truth that the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. (laughs) God, help us today. You will help us. You are helping us. You will give us grace. Give special grace. We were tempted, dear God, to complain and be jealous and envious of our fellow man.